because that's always kind of been the next thing. They've always kind of had like lovable characters that have come through. Like even Brooke, I miss Brooke Lopez. I love Brooke Lopez. I miss Joe Johnson. I love Joe Johnson. Uh, I miss Kmart. Like, I, I think as a Nets fans, we all have like these certain guys that we kind of attach ourselves to. No one misses Darren Williams. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I am the unforgettable one himself, Mr. Bright Carroll. Charles was clearly daydreaming today because he can't figure out the audio. But we're just two guys that like BS and at work. And today we got so much to talk about. Then we're going to do some mess propaganda today as well. Because we're talking hoops. We haven't talked hoops since the finals, and we kind of barely talked about that. But a lot has gone on in the association in the last couple of weeks. All of the job vacancies for head coaching jobs have finally been filled. And there's been some interesting hires across the league. There's been some interesting GM uh, hiring or front office hiring across the league as well. Some assistant coaches have made made some news this week as well. So we're going to get into all of that. I don't even know where to start. Maybe the start of Doc Rivers and now Daryl Morey in Philadelphia intrigues me the most because we know, as we all know, that is a team that has a lot of young talent on it, but they haven't been able to really figure it out in terms of putting that talent together to be a championship-level contender. They're going to make the playoffs every year. They're going to, you know, when they're healthy, at least get to the second round every year. But the talent in their young players of Joel Embiid and uh, Ben Simmons suggests that they should be at least a you know quality conference contender, if not an NBA title contender. And they haven't really put that together yet. So can Doc Rivers, along with Daryl Morey, make a roster that will help this team get over that hump? And do and can they do it with those two guys? Or do we think they're going to need to trade one of them? in order to get the success that they want. What, what do you think? I think that the Sixers are in a good position because they're already starting off as an Eastern Conference contender. The addition of Doc Rivers is a better, you know, it's a coaching upgrade. So the, immediately I think they will improve on the court because I believe Doc Rivers is a better coach. And you saw how good of a coach he was, not only in Orlando and obviously Boston, but when he first got to L.A., there was very little, you know, that people thought. They didn't think they were going to be a playoff team. And he took a young team to the playoffs before they made the moves for Paul George and Kawhi. Now he has an established core in Philadelphia, the Trust the Process core, and with the addition of uh, Maury, there's already rumors that somehow they're going to try to make a move for James Harden. I'm, I'm getting those notifications now. So I think it's all good. I think it's a bunch of good moves for Philadelphia. They're kind of trying to avoid any type of a rebuild because they kind of hit a wall this past season. It, at least it felt like that from my end. Um, as far as what I, where I would have started, listen, man, that's propaganda. We back, baby. That's what I would go with because with Steve Nash, he's bringing in Amari Stoudemire. I thought we were going to end the show with the Nets. That's why I wanted to go around the rest of the association. But we we can start with the Nets. That's fine. I mean, because you kind of you kind of said it with the uh, 
the Sixers. And I don't really have much more to say because we're kind of in this weird gray area of when the next season's even going to start, let alone when we know who the teams are going to be going into the season once the season does start. So it's kind of hard to know where I would put the Doc Rivers, Maury Sixers without knowing like who the roster will be. Same with the Nets. We don't, we're not necessarily sure who the roster is definitely going to be yet because you still got to make the fringe part of the 15-man roster moves. Um, is Spence still going to be here by the time we're playing Brooklyn basketball? Same goes for everybody in that division. It's kind of up in the air. But as far as the Nets go, that's why I brought him up with the coaching hires. Steve Nash, he's brought in the Suns, essentially. He brought in Amari Stoudemire, and we just got news that they're bringing in uh, D'Antoni. I think those are good-ass moves. Like, I'm happy as a fan. I don't really mind him bringing in this network of people he trusts and respects. And D'Antoni's not a bad coach. I know he doesn't play that uh, winning basketball, that title-winning basketball. But the Rockets have been damn good under him. They've been better than we expected. He, he turned helped turn James Harden into a superstar in this league more than he was before, especially that one year he was running the point. I think with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, it'll be interesting to see a team that has D'Antoni in the staff, period. I know he's not the head coach, but damn, that's a great assistant coach. And if you would have told a Knicks fan 10 years ago that D'Antoni would be coaching a team in this area that had Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant with an elite point guard as their head coach, I don't think they would be thinking it would be about Brooklyn. So I'm already kind of giddy about that. It's just I think it's just funny that D'Antoni's back around here and it's with us. Yeah, no, the Nets are, the Nets are definitely going to be interesting. Um, I, 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 I'm with you. I love the hires, especially with Steve Nash. I think... From everything that I'm hearing and from everything that I'm just basing off of like my own opinion, I think what we're going to see is some of these moves, especially the Amari Stoudemire move, is to get the most out of their young bigs, a.k.a. Jared Allen, a.k.a. Nick Claxton. That, that pick and roll that Nash and Stoudemire made, you know, they, they might have been the greatest pick and roll duo since, you know, Carl Malone and John Stockton. Um, that pick and roll duo teaching those young bigs how to set great screens and how to dive the proper way and do all that stuff, I think that could be great for their development. Especially a guy like Jared Allen, who, you know, is offensively is not that great of a, of a center. He's more of a defensive center. So if he could become like a, a, a an elite rim runner and alley oop partner and dump off partner, that will already make the Nets a much better team. Nick Claxton, I've, I mean, I've told you this many times. Everybody in that organization loves this kid, and they think he could be a star in this league one day. So again, even a guy like him learning under Mari Stoudemire, that's that intrigues me a lot. So that makes me very excited. And, you know, with Kyrie Irving on the team, having a guy like Steve Nash and Dan Tony, I think will make Kyrie happy. The ball will be in his hands a lot. Um, the offense will probably run through him, which might be a good thing depending on, you know, you know we keep forgetting KD is coming off an Achilles. So even if it's just for a year while KD's, you know, no pun intended, getting his feet back up under him, the, having the offense run through Kyrie and, you know, him getting, you know, his stats just inflating might be a good thing. 
Um, that might be the way we have to play at least for a year. Like I said, as as KD, you know, really really gets back into you know basketball shape and you know gets gets back to where he was before the injury. Um, so I think so far I'm very happy with the process of of you know our staff. Jock Vaughn is still there. I believe Phil Handy is going to be on the staff as well. Um, I, I, so I I, look, I really like the way our staff is rounding out, and that's important because you know with a team with Kyrie and KD, if those two dudes are healthy and it's a team is healthy, you're going to win fifty plus games and you're going to be a top three seed regardless. You know, me and you could be the head coach of that team and, and they'll win and you know we'll win regular season games. The question becomes once we get to the playoffs and once you get further into the playoffs. That's when coaching in basketball really does, you know, help because it's those coaches that's going to help you get to that next level. And even though Steve Nash has never been a head coach, you know, with his experience and with the guys around him that he's bringing in with their experience, I think that is a group that could get you at least out of the Eastern Conference. So I'm, I'm very happy with that. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fun team, man. I really do. I really do. I still would love for us to get a power forward, and like you said, some of this is premature because we still don't know what the rosters are going to look like. But that's but that's you know that's why I was bringing it up now because it is kind of fun, especially with a guy like Daryl Morey. You can never predict what he's going to do. He might trade that whole roster and restart for all we know, and, and not even restart, just you know have a completely different playoff caliber team with nobody on that Sixers roster. So I get what you mean by, like, it might be premature to talk about some of this stuff, but that's part of the fun of it. And I hope we do another pod before, you know, the season starts, <laughs> after free agency and stuff like that. But, yeah, um, the Nets are going to be good, man. The Nets are going to be good. Steve Nash, I, I like to hire more and more as I see who he's bringing in. I have no problem with the style of play that we're going to play because that's the style of basketball nowadays. Our offense is going to be great. Now, the question is, can we step up defensively? That's going to be the biggest thing. So that's what that's what, that's the next process, step in the process for me. Who are we bringing in on the defensive side of the ball that's going to help us become a really good defensive team? Because even in this day and age of basketball and shooting threes and analytics, it still proves you got to be a good defensive team to win to win a championship. And that's one of the reasons why the Rockets still never won anything as good as they were offensively. And obviously that's why the Dan Tony Suns never won anything because they weren't that great defensively. So that's the next step in the process for me. Our offense, I think, is going to be lethal, um, both in the regular season and in the postseason. But can we get stops when we need to? And again, I don't think that's going to be necessarily a problem in the East, but to win a championship, you're going to have to stop the Lakers. You're going to have to stop the Clippers. You're going to have to stop the Warriors. You're going to have to stop the Nuggets. You know what I mean? So whoever comes out of the West... Um, we're going to have to be better defensively if we think if we plan on winning a championship. I don't think we have to be better defensively. I think we just have to be all out offensively. The coaching staff that they're bringing in doesn't kind of signal to me that we're going to be playing any type of defense, but we're kind of going to rely on our big guns to keep shooting. If Kevin Durant's healthy, shoot. If Kyrie Irving's healthy, score. You know what I mean? Like we have enough power right there that we don't need to worry about defense if we're scoring that much, kind of like the Warriors a couple of years ago. It, it's well, not- no, that's the, well, but even the Warriors, people forget that. The Warriors play defense. You know, there hasn't, I, don't think, I think the stat still remains that there hasn't been a team that's won the championship that wasn't at least like top 10 in defensive efficiency or something like that. You can score all you want, 
when you play great other great teams, they're going to find a way to slow your offense down. And then it becomes, can you get stops? So, I mean, it, you're going to have to, like I said, you we'll win a, a lot of regular season games. We could even, we might even be able to get even all the way to the finals without playing defense. But to win a championship, I do believe we're going to have to be a better defensive team than what we were last year. Hmm. Speaking of what this year, the Nets have made just as many headlines over the jersey choices that we have never talked about on here. But in the last month, with no basketball, there's been the throwback to the 90s Nets jersey and that Basquiat jersey. And that really has got me like reminiscing about like the 90s Nets. Now, we, me and you were kind of talking about it the other day. You don't really remember the 1990s Nets, and that's fair. I was born in 89. I, I have vague memories of my dad telling me about Petro passing away because he liked local teams that brought in local stars and Kenny Anderson from Queens, Derek Coleman from Syracuse. That 90s Nets team was just like a fan favorite and holds a lot of nostalgia in Nets fans' hearts. And it's just crazy that in the 20. 21 season literally 30 years ago now that we're bringing back this logo that we kind of abandoned during the heyday of the new jersey nets during the jason kidd era you didn't really see these jerseys ever and it's cool to see the kenny anderson's the dc's finally getting some shine because in the last couple of years petrovich has gotten that shine and rightfully sure and rightfully so but not so much the other nets guys and i know they were never that great but at the same time, they were some of the best times Nets fans ever had. Getting whooped by, you know, Jordan in the first round is never fun, but it is what it is. Do you have any type of uh, memory or fandom for, like, those era Nets teams? So when you saw this jersey, you had nostalgia, or you just thought it was like, that's a hot jersey, I'll probably cop one? Well, no, I, um, my dad, obviously, a big Nets fan, he used to tell me about those teams, and Derek Coleman, Kenny Anderson, and stuff like that. So I knew about it, but, you know, I, I got, like I was telling you, I got in, not only am I younger, but I also got into sports a little bit later than most people. So I don't remember even watching NBA basketball until I want to say like 2001. Like I think I remember the first thing I remember is like those AI playoff runs um, against, you know, Vince Carter and stuff like that. And then obviously the Nets went to the finals a year later. Um, so in terms of any nostalgia towards those teams, I just remember what my dad used to tell me about them. Um, and I've seen some highlights and stuff like that. When I see the jerseys, um, I just thought they were nice. I thought that it made sense marketing wise that you'll probably, they'll probably do, you know, 90s era this year, probably the early 2000s era next year. And then maybe like the early 2010s before they moved to Brooklyn the year before, I mean, the year after that. So they'll probably go decade by decade the last 30 years of New Jersey Nets. And I think that's cool. I think that's cool. Um, so I, I like the jerseys. Um, I think they're, they're going to be a fan favorite. I just love the fact that they're you know, giving some shine to the New Jersey Nets era. Cause we had a whole pot about this. You can't forget your past because that's important. Um, and I think that's what, if nothing else... If you're a New Jersey Nets fan, even if you were on the fence about Kyrie, you got to give Kyrie some props because you. I think you and I both know anybody with common sense knows they're only doing this to kind of appease him, and they're, and they're only doing this because they realize, wow, there are people out there that are New Jersey Nets fans, and even though we're in Brooklyn, 
because people are fans, that's what's people. That's what's keeping people attracted to what we're doing. Um, so I, I just love the fact that they're giving uh, the Nets, the New Jersey Nets, I should say, uh, some some love because I think that's important, and I think that's you know you know as Jersey kids, that's important to us because we're always kind of left out of the spotlight when it comes to New York and how great New York is, and it is great. But New Jersey, in my opinion, is just as great and deserves this love. And then the Basquiat jerseys, I think those are cool. Um, we did the Biggie thing the last two years, and that's great. But Brooklyn is much bigger than just the notorious B.I.G. So I like the fact that they're starting to move into other Brooklyn icons for the City Edition jersey because that is what makes Brooklyn cool. Brooklyn is like the artist's paradise. You know, I mean, some of the most iconic artists in any genre have come from Brooklyn. So no, I not. love... I love seeing that they are giving other people shine. And again, that's Kyrie influence. Kyrie is a huge Basquiat fan. He has a whole bunch of Basquiat stuff in his in his uh, house. Um, I'm, I'm, from what I hear, KD's a big fan of Basquiat too. So I'm, I'm glad. That, again, I'm glad. I'm just glad that they're stepping out and like really embracing different types of influ- influential things in their designs instead of just doing the natural Biggie thing every year, which was cool, but it's like, you know, they, you know Brooklyn's a lot more than, than, than Biggie, and it kind of, you know, it kind of was weird to me that's like, that's the only thing that they were kind of going with. Um, so. Yo, real quick. So 30 years ago, this, you have no nostalgia for this, so I just want to tell you what the stats look like for this jersey that we we're bringing back, the, the blue Nets, New Jersey Nets throwback, right? In the 90-91 season, Head coach Bill Fitch, executive Willis Reed. This is all from Basketball Reference. The record was twenty six and fifty six. They finished fifth in the division. And on that roster, we didn't have Kenny Anderson yet. He would be. Uh, we we drafted him in the upcoming draft. We traded for Drazen, and we we had like Mookie Baylock and Sam Bowie. Derek Coleman was there. He was. He was. He was a rookie. Oh no, he was a rookie. Derek Coleman was a rookie, and Petro was was on his sophomore season already. The next season, 91-92, there was a major improvement record-wise to 40-42. and 42, But it wouldn't be till the next season where they started making the playoffs and they finished 43-39, and 39, but there was a head coaching change, Chuck Daly. But at the end of the 92-93 season, 43-39 and, 40, uh, with Chuck Daly, they lost in the uh, NBA Eastern Conference first round against your favorite... Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> the yeah, ne- well, guess what? We ain't going to lose in Cleveland this year. So that's all I care about. <laughs> 93-94, still Chuck Daly as the head coach. They were losing the first round against your second favorite team, the New York Knicks. And after that season, after the ninety, uh, the 93-94 season is when they fell off a cliff. Uh, they, you know, Chuck Daly was gone. Butch Beard would lead the Nets to a 30-52 and 52 record, obviously not making the playoffs. And in a short time later, Kenny Anderson and Derek Coleman were both off the team, and it was a different look. Uh, the 95 season is when they brought in uh, Jason Williams to start bringing it to an era that you kind of remember. But, yeah, that's kind of why they didn't celebrate it back then. We didn't really see the same jerseys because the era ended on a sour note and with such sadness with the passing of Petrovic. Yeah. Yeah. It's a strange time to be alive when it comes to being a Nets fan because the, the, 
this is probably the first time there's such realistic title expectations in this way. Like, when I say realistic, yeah, we had realistic title expectations with Jason Kidd. Yeah, after the trade, and we still had some type of faith in Darren Williams, we, you know, we had some type of title expectations. But this is the first time where, you know, we are expected to contend for the NBA title, at least contend for the East, and we better get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, this is, the, this is the first time that anything less than a conference final would be a huge disappointment. You're, and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Because I, I, think I, I think I told you before, like, even that team with KD and Paul Pierce, I still had the same expectation. I said, at best, Eastern Conference Finals, at worst, first round, first round finish, and they made it to the second round. So, you know what I mean? Like... So even yeah, even with all those teams, this is the first time in a long time that it was like, yeah, if they don't even make the conference finals, that's gonna be an issue. What else you got going on in the NBA that you wanted to talk about? Well, I mean, for one, I want to shout out. To, I think the Rockets are an interesting case. So we kind of talked, uh, touched upon them a little bit with the with the Sixers, but it's a new it's a new era with them, man. Um, you know, Dan Tony's obviously with the Nets now. They're always with the Sixers, as we already said. They got a new uh, Steven Silas, who is the uh, son of legendary coach. What's his name? Was it Paul Silas? I want to say his father's name was. But he's he's been in the league for a long time as an assistant coach. He's also an offensive-minded dude. Now he's with the Rockets. And from what we're hearing, the owner still wants to go for titles. He doesn't want to rebuild. He doesn't want to tear it down he wants to try to make this work so it's going to be interesting to see what he can do with a team that was kind of built for one way and one way only and now if we're you know either he's going to have to embrace that way or he's going to have to find something totally new to try to make this work with James Harden as their as their lead man because I don't think they're going to trade James Harden I, I, I think that's silly um, Me too. You know, everybody's talking about Daryl Morey trying to get James Harden. I don't think Ben Simmons gets you James Harden. Because if you're the Rockets, unless it's a three-way trade, there's no way you're trading for Ben Simmons when you already have Russell Westbrook, who can't shoot. So, you know, in order to get James Harden, you would have to then trade Embiid, I would think. Um, and then it's a question of, well, does Harden and Ben Simmons work as your main duo, it might. It's interesting. It's a it's a very interesting pairing. It might be an odd couple pairing, but who knows? Yeah, I don't see it either. I actually think yeah, it's more likely that the Rockets trade away Westbrook to uh, the New York Knicks than that. Yeah, I think that's a possibility. I think that's a thing that the Knicks would definitely uh, want to do because they need they want star power. Um, if they can't swing their Chris Paul trade, Russell Westbrook is probably the second best option. Um, the yeah. Knicks fans would love that. Knicks fans would absolutely love seeing Westbrook in their jersey playing at the Garden. Right, and because Westbrook's there, they're going to get Giannis. That's that's what they're going to say, of course. But yeah, I I, I think um, I think the Rockets stand pat with their two stars. I think the Sixers stand pat with their two stars. I think that, I really think the Sixers, if they're smart at least, will say, "Yo, let's just give Doc a year to see what he can do with these two. We know it's a, it might be a weird fit, but we also don't know if Brent Brown was the right guy to make that work. 
let's see if Doc can do something with it. And if he can't, then we say, okay, who do we move on from? I think they would want to move on from Simmons before they move on from Embiid. But I don't know. I don't know what Simmons' market is going to be, especially if the Greek freak doesn't play well in the playoffs again this year. Because a lot of people are going to say, well, Ben Simmons is kind of like a lesser Greek freak. So if you can't win with Giannis as your best player, how are we going to win with Ben Simmons? So I don't know. It's, it's interesting how the Sixers and the Rockets are going to work because I think they're kind of stuck with their two stars. Both teams are, at least. And the goal is to try to make it work with both of those pieces. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Um, and then you got the Clippers, who Doc left. I'm kind of surprised, but I'm kind of not. Uh, I think I told you, and I, and I love Doc Rivers, but I didn't like the way he handled that press conference after they lost in the conference semifinals where he kind of took blame at the end, but then he tried to you know, walk it back and say, well, you know, it's our first year together, da-da-da-da-da. Um, and, you know, Denver's been together longer than us, and I didn't like that answer at all because it's like, bro, we grew up 3-1. I don't want to hear that crap. <laughs> you, were you were up 3-1 with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and his team, and you had a 15-point lead and a 17-point lead. And, and, and two different games, and you still failed. Let the uh, Nets with Kyrie and KD do that and get the pass that they fucking got. Yeah, exactly. That would never happen. But, you know, I, I didn't like that answer, especially when you, the chemistry has been an issue all year, but yet you elected to continue to value uh, rest and uh, you know, not playing back-to-backs and not playing your starters heavy minutes. And I get it. There's no way you there's no way you would have could have predicted a pandemic in which you would have gotten three months off. I understand that, but the point is, you went into the postseason uh, prioritizing health over chemistry, and that's fine. But then you can't get upset if that plan backfires, and you can't use lack of chemistry as an excuse. That's just me. Um, but I thought Tyloo was a great hire for them. Um, but wasn't the lack of chemistry thing coming from there was favoritism shown towards Kawhi and Paul George? I, I don't know. That's, you know. that's a different story. All I know is Doc Rivers said that in his press conference when they lost. After saying no excuses, we, we, we failed, we didn't hit our expectations this year. You know what I mean? So after saying all the right things, he then tried to like hedge his bet basically. And saying, but you know, to be fair, it is our first year together, and our chemistry wasn't there, and they've been there, and they've been together longer than we have, and that's where he lost me. Cause I'm like, bro, you can't say that. You can't say that after you just took all the blame for what happened. And you, you know, can't say that when you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. That's the reason you got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is because that duo is supposed to be so talented they could make up for any lack of chemistry the rest of the team would have. Exactly, especially when you have a 3-1. Exactly. If you lost in five, if you were down 3-1 and came back and tied it up in game seven and just lost steam or whatever, if you lost in six, cool. But you cannot be up 3-1, blow that lead, and then say that. I'm sorry. And, I, again, I love Doc Rivers. I love him as a coach. I love him as a man. Uh, I know some of his, his children. They're great people. You know what I mean? I have nothing but love for the Rivers family. But I was like, yeah, you, you can't say that shit. I'm sorry. Um, but, again, and I'm glad he got a job in Philly. And I, I'm interested to see how that's going to work. 
But yeah, I think Kyle might have been the biggest coaching candidate on the market. And the fact that he gets to stay with the Clippers, I think is good. I think it gives the Clippers some stability in terms of basically it's the same coaching staff. It's just without, you know, two less people because Sam Cassell followed Doc to the Sixers. But with Ty Lue and his and the rest of that staff still there, um, Shout out Sam Cassell, another 90s net. Absolutely. Um, I think it gives them some more. uh, I I think it gives them the stability they needed going into the next year. Um, Because they didn't need to blow that team up at all. They just need. I I think they did just need another year together. So I think Doc was right when he said that. But you can't say that after the stuff that he said. So I like that hire for the Clippers. It's interesting that he didn't take the Rockets job or the Pelicans job. It's also interesting that Stan Van Gundy, I'm sorry, Jeff Van Gundy didn't get the Rockets job. Um, but you know, I, I think I think Jeff is still going to coach one day. I think he wants to coach. He's just looking for the perfect situation, and maybe with the, with you know Harden and Westbrook being in a situation that they don't know what they're going to do with him yet, I think that wasn't the right move for uh, Jeff Van Gundy. But his brother Stan gets another job. In uh, New Orleans, um, New Orleans low key team to look out for. They're another team just like the Suns, just like the Nuggets that are on the come up in the West, and people shouldn't sleep on them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's going to be interesting with Stan. He's old school. He's a, he's a, he's going to yell. He's going to get into you. He's going to demand greatness from you. So that's going to be interesting how he interacts with a young team in New Orleans. I'm not saying it won't work. I'm saying it's going to be. Fun as hell to watch. <laughs> I mean, that team's built kind of like the Magic, so it would it makes sense. You have Zion, you have a bunch of shooters. The only weak spot, really, and it's not even a weak spot, it's just you have to work around it a little bit differently, is Ball. He's yeah. not necessarily the point guard that he's used to having, but he makes up for it in all the point guardy ass ways that you want from Lonzo Ball. He might not be able to score like that, but he can play point guard and he can play some type of defense. It's not, you know, the most, he's not elite, he's not pathetic, but, you know, he's good. He's a good serviceable starting quarter, uh, quarterback, starting point guard. I, I like that hire. I like that hire. I I don't care about the Clippers with that hire. We knew that Ty Lue wasn't coming to Brooklyn, so I just kind of feel validated about that because when we heard those rumors we were like no fucking chance he is a good coach you know Tyler definitely deserved another job definitely deserved another opportunity and I like that he got to go to a playoff team so good for him good on that yeah what there's been a, is there anything else are we missing I feel like we're missing some type of team uh well the Pacers hired I want to say Nick Nurse's assistant coach oh no one cares about the Pacers yeah, nobody cares about the Pacers. Sorry. What's going on with the what's, what's going on in Detroit? Dwayne Casey's still there. Good, good, I good. Think, Wait, I, I think that's. I believe that's all the uh, teams that had a job overseas. We talked about Steve Nash already. Uh, oh, I guess Tom Thibodeau with the Knicks. Who cares? Oh, that's don't hate on that. Actually, I'll, I'll, let me let me bring that back. Tom Thibodeau was a good hire for the Knicks. I actually do yes, like that he, hire. He's a terrible hire for the Knicks, but go ahead. Okay, okay. All right, now we got something here. Now we're cooking with something. All right, well, I think he's exactly what the Knicks fans want. I think he's exactly what the Knicks team needs. He's good at making a hard-working team with a... Nah. What? What is that? Nah, Tom Thibodeau is a great coach. Tom Thibodeau... 
Tom Thibodeau, unfortunately, is not an, he he's not going to adjust to his players. He's one of those coaches that wants his players to adjust to him. So putting him on a very young team, that's again we we hear all the time about how these players now are entitled. They don't they don't work at. Well, I don't say they don't work hard, but they don't they don't like being yelled at. They don't like being pushed. They don't like doing. All, so you're you're expecting Tom Thibodeau, you know, who's a tyrant. Who's a who's you know who's a self-professing tyrant to coach a young team like that? I don't think that's going to work. Tom Thibodeau, as good of a coach as he is, he needs a very specific team. He needs a team that has veterans on it, but not older veterans because they'll run them into the ground. He needs like he, he needs a bunch of twenty-eight-year-olds. You know what I mean? Guys that have been around the block a little bit, but are still young enough. And you can push them and you won't, you know, freaking kill them. He needs guys in their primes. If he has a team that's too young, they're not going to listen to him because they're not going to listen to him yelling at them nonstop. And God forbid making them practice like two days or whatever. Um, they're not going to deal with that. And he, and he can't have a veteran team because they'll listen to him, but he'll run them into the ground because he doesn't believe in anybody taking days off. So that team, I know why they hired him. They hired him to try to get a Russell Westbrook, to try to get a Giannis, to try to get a veteran in there. He, Tom Thibodeau wasn't brought in to coach the team as it's constructed. Tom Thibodeau was brought in because they're going to say, we're going to make all these trades and get some veterans in here, and that's the team Tom Thibodeau will coach. And all I'm saying is I got to see this happen before I say that was a good hire because if it doesn't happen in a timely fashion, he won't even survive long enough to – the veterans that they want to get because that team will turn on him fast. That's all I'm saying. You just want to shit on the next, don't you? No, no. Again, great coach, but he, he's not. He's the last coach I'm hiring to. We saw this in Minnesota. They didn't want to play for him because he works them too hard. Like that's 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 just the reality of the situation. Players nowadays don't want to be yelled at and told. You know what I mean, they don't want to be. They don't want to be hassled to death. And shoot, even some of the veterans. I, I've heard stories of how, like, even in USA practices, he's going hard, and everybody's looking at him like, "Bro, like, relax. Like, you know, like I get it, but relax. <laughs> like, it's the Olympics. We're gonna win. Like, relax. <laughs> like, so, so it's you know what I mean. So it's things where, again, I'm not saying he's a, he should coach a team. I'm saying that team isn't the team that, he, that they brought him in for. They brought him in to bring in some veterans that will listen to his tutelage and that he can yell at and ride. And, and I mean, Russell Westbrook will be perfect because he's a Jimmy Butler type. You know what I mean? He's going to come to work every day. He's going to give it his all. He's going to practice 20 times a day. So, again, to your point, that's why they're probably going to trade for Russell Westbrook. But until you get Russell Westbrook and others, I don't think Tom Thibodeau is the coach for that team. That's all I'm saying. I mean, Tom Thibodeau, Tom Thibodeau was the coach for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they fucked that up. So, But that's my point, because it was a young team. No, they, it's they not that, that they were a young team. That's a bullshit excuse, because that team... Yeah, how, listen, how, how many years are we going to be looking at the Timberwolves and going, well, they were a young team, because they keep fucking up. Like, it, like at some point, it, it has to be on the star's shoulders, because they keep switching the coaches, they keep switching all the pieces, and there's one underlying factor that's remaining, and it's the same problems over and over again. So yeah, the players could be young, but they also have to be receptive to the coaching. No, but that's my but that's my point. If we know that young players aren't receptive to this, 
why would you keep trying? We, you know I mean? we don't know that young re- players aren't receptive to it. They weren't receptive happened? in one place. It was one place. Remember, that, hold on, hold on. Remember what happened with the Bulls, with the other guy that, God forbid, made them practice after a loss. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not just the Timberwolves. We've seen this throughout. Even even the Cavaliers were, you know, were kind of didn't like some of the tutelage of what was going on there with their coaches so that's my point there's a thing in the NBA right now with these kids and, I, and who knows maybe you know the, the, the young guys in the Knicks are built different I don't know who, who only they know the character of their of their players but I'm not saying it's a rag on the young guys I'm saying we see this throughout sports nowadays where players are not going to listen to somebody who's constantly yelling at them and screaming at them and that's what Tom Thibodeau does He's always hoarse after after uh, after games. You can barely talk in the interviews. You know what I mean? Like that's what that's literally what he's known for. And Stan Van Gundy does that too. But from everything I hear, Stan Van Gundy at least knows how to turn it off. Tom Thibodeau is not one of those dudes. That dude is a hard worker, so he expects you to be a hard worker, and he expects you to be to commit be committed to this twenty four seven. Like I said, he's a good coach. Yeah, but Thibodeau wasn't out of the Chicago because of the roster. He was out because of the front office. The Timberwolves are the only case we have of where it was some problems with the roster. No, no, no. I'm talking about about the Zach Levine Bulls. Remember like a year or two ago when the coach made them them, uh, practice after a loss and they rebelled and da-da-da-da-da-da-da and they got killed for that? I'm talking about that. I'm not talking about Thibodeau. I'm talking about the fact that throughout the sports in general, but especially throughout the NBA, we've seen cases of young dudes aren't, you know, young dudes aren't going to, you know, take the tongue lashings and they're not going to take the the requirement for them to be great. Their thing is, I'm going to be great on my own time. You, you know, if I want to come in at, at 5.30 in the morning, I'll come in at 5.30 in the morning. You're not going to make me come in at 5.30 Yeah, but the, the, the players you're talking about, like the Zach Levine Bulls, weren't a winning team. The team, the only team that do that to Tom Thibodeau oh, isn't oh, a winning team. Oh, I'm sorry. Are the Knicks are a winning team all of a sudden? I could have I yeah, sworn. Yeah, but that's what I mean. There's not even a Zach Levine on the Knicks. Yeah, that's that's okay, but that's my point. Yeah, but there, but okay. there's nobody that's getting no. Zach Levine is getting is getting star money, and so him having a problem with the coach is something the team has to deal with. On the Knicks, there's nobody making that money, and uh, the rookie from the last draft for, from this past year, he's a hard worker. That is the type uh, Barrett. That is the type that would like a, th- a Thibodeau from all accounts. So I'm just saying, you're anal- you're right about younger players with certain coaches, but those are coaches that have no record of winning. Like that's not Tom Thibodeau. That's just not. He got fired when the when the T Wolves were 19 and 21, after two years of of, of uh, being better teams than they were before. Like they got he got fired from Chicago when they were a 50 win team because the front office didn't like him. That is a different person than, than who you're comparing him to that replaced him in Chicago. That's all I'm saying. And you're because you're right about that. But Cat uh, and, and not liking him in Minnesota is not equal to your boy Zach Levine not liking whoever in Chicago when Chicago has wishes they have kids and the, back. And the and the cat and the Cavs not liking their coach either. Like I said, I'm bringing up multiple examples of 
younger teams. Which we have, yeah, but which which Cavs team are we talking about? You're talking about younger teams with coaches that are not have zero zero like career in the NBA. Like that, that's, okay. not, that's not who Tom Thibodeau is. That's just like it's unfair to him as a coach. There's a difference. Like no, but we're talking about something. Well, yeah, but I've said multiple times Tom Thibodeau is not the problem here. That's what I'm saying. Tom Thibodeau is a great coach, but I'm saying Tom Thibodeau's style plays better for a more veteran squad. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And yes, R.J. Barrett might be cool with him, but that's one player on a Knicks team that needs all their players in order to be good. That's all I'm saying. Tom Thibodeau is not here to coach a young team. He's here to coach a veteran squad. And now that they got their coach, they're going to try to bring in veterans that Tom Thibodeau can coach. And all I'm saying is until I see the veterans that they bring, I'm not sure that's going to work. That's all I'm saying. That's that's literally all I'm saying. Because I know Tom Thibodeau's a good coach. I just don't think he fits with that current roster. And he wasn't brought in to coach that current roster. He was brought in to be the guy that's going to lure other veterans to want to come to the Knicks. That, that's that's all I'm saying. He, he, he's not – if they wanted somebody to coach the young guys, they would have brought Kenny, Kenny Atkinson. No, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, that's, that's all. They, they can care less about this roster right now. They know this roster's not good. Their, their goal is to bring in veteran players – so that they can be a contender and compete with the Nets and retake their mantle as New York's number one team. You know, so that's 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 all I'm saying. All right. <laughs> are we forgetting something? I feel like we're forgetting something that happened in the NBA, and we're just not. Probably. But speak, speaking of Atkinson, where did he go? Did he go to the Clippers or he went to the Bulls? I can't remember. I believe it's the Clippers. And prop that Kenny. We're happy for him. We're, we're not Kenny haters over here. So... Yeah, good for him. Good for him. He'll be a great assistant coach. I've always said he could always stay with the Nets in my book, but just not as my head coach. No, you said literally make him president of player development. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you, Absolutely. You, you literally said before he was fired, I don't even want him out of the organization. I want to keep him in the organization, just make him head of player development. And it's, a, it's crazy because, you know, seeing how you interact with other Nets fans, sometimes they perceive you as some type of a, a hater. When you're when you have a real criticism, and oh now I remember what I wanted to fucking talk about with you because me and you keep talking about it just as Nets fans, the D'Lo contingency of Nets fans, and I just have to say this you you don't get it and I kind of get it because for a lot of Nets fans, D'Angelo Russell was it was the first net they kind of fell in love with. That was their first time they're watching the Nets and they have a favorite net hands down that feels like a homegrown net. Even though we traded for him, plenty of people consider him a net over a Laker that are net, still Nets fans now. There might still be Russell fans, but they're Nets fans now. I likened it to Stephon Marbury when we traded for Stephon Marbury. I was super into that. I thought it was a big deal. Yeah, he's from Brooklyn, but he was coming home to the Tri-State, you know? And he wasn't even there on the Nets for that long. It was a cup of coffee. But I remember the dunks. I remember the highlights. I I remember him being an all-star. Does it sound familiar? That's just like D'Angelo Russell. So I just think it's funny because to you, and now, you know, people can get it because you kind of said you got into sports and fell in love around 2001. You missed the Starberry years for the Nets. Well, no, I remember Starberry. I I do remember Starberry. Um, 
I remember how big it was of a, and it's funny that you mentioned it because you were trying to harpen back to the 90s nest. That's why you brought up D-Lo in terms of, like you said, homegrown guys, homegrown team, the type of lovable nest that even though they might not be that good, to this day there are still Nets fans that like love them to this day. Because that's always kind of been the Nets thing. They've always kind of had like lovable characters that have come through. Like even Brooke, I miss Brooke Lopez. I love Brooke Lopez. I miss Joe Johnson. I love Joe Johnson. Uh, I miss Kmart. Like, I, I think as a Nets fans, we all have like these certain guys that we kind of attach ourselves to. No one misses Darren Williams. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no, yeah, no, no. But there's a reason for that. But that's my point. There's a reason for that. And D'Lo, I think. A lot of people saw him kind of mature in Brooklyn. You know, he, he got cast aside in L.A. because he was, you know, just being a kid, really, just being silly and being a kid. And he kind of grew up, he kind of matured and grew up here in Brooklyn. And I think a lot of people love that about him. So even now, even though there there are some Nets fans, a small, a small bit of them, there are some Nets fans that would rather have that team because they like the lovable losers quote unquote, than the what they perceive as prima donna winners. They don't want to win like that. They rather, you know, barely make the playoffs and have a team you can root for and feel good about than have the superstars that they feel are entitled in this answer. And again, they say that now, but if we have a parade in June, you know, I don't want the motherfuckers at the parade, even though they even though they'll be in the front the front stands. The Nets um, would win a title in a year. We can't have parades. They would, right? Exactly, but you know it, that that's yeah that's that's what you wanted to bring up D'Lo for because yeah that's 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 but again that's that's culture man that's how it's always been that we love the underdog stories we love the guys that just came into work every day and played hard and did what they had to do and you know, we love the blue collar teams we love yeah. the fact that and, and then, all of our teams when we make the playoffs it was a season where we had to earn the playoffs I get the fans that don't get having a team that's so good they can just coast to the playoffs because it feels like forever, at least my whole life, every Nets team that made the playoffs had to fucking earn it. So it's really, really, really like near and dear to our hearts when we have players that we saw grow. Because a lot of play- you know, a lot of fans, a lot of new fans, Brooklyn Nets fans, not even New Jersey Nets fans, but Brooklyn Nets fans saw the Kenny Atkinson Nets evolve from the atomic wreckage that was the trade to having D'Lo be an all-star, and we're and we're swinging back at the Philadelphia 76ers in the playoffs. It's just, you know, it was a great story. And I'm happy that we have this era where we thought five years we'd still be in the dumps rebuilding, and five years later we're a playoff team. That's And we got two of the biggest free agents of all time. That's where we are now. We're, we're one season removed from that. And if it wasn't for injuries and COVID, who knows what we would have done this year. But we have a title to look forward to now. That's something that the 90s New Jersey Nets never had. They never had a real chance to contend for a title. Think about it. The Bad Boy Pistons, the Chicago Bulls, and real talk, the 90s Knicks, because they lost in the first round to them too. And and there's different incarnations of the 90s New Jersey Nets. The Kenny Atkinson, Kenny Atkinson, the Kenny Anderson, Derek Coleman, Petro Nets, for how much I love that team, they were not beating the Bulls. And, and 
let me say let me say this because I, I understand I'm talking to Nets fans that might not understand this. I was in Cleveland when LeBron was there, and, and we knew they were going to the title every year. Trust me, that's a good feeling to have when you when you're losing games in February and you don't care because it's like who cares? Just wait to the playoffs. Even last year was just frustrating watching the Nets lose a bunch of games. I can't wait to feel what 50 wins feels like again. You know what I mean? I can't wait to feel. I'm, I'm really hoping this team like goes off, gets off to a great start, and just like you know starts off the season like 20 and two or some crap like that. Because trust me, that's a good feeling to have. As a fan, that's a very good feeling to have when you know your team is rolling, and it's like every night they're winning and they're and they look good, and they can improve just on little things. Because when you're trying to win a championship, that's a luxury great teams have. You can win games and still watch film and say, okay, this is what we can do better. This is how we should play them in the playoffs. We're not going to play them like that now. We'll show we'll show bits and pieces of it now to see how it works. But we're not going to play them like that until the playoffs. That is a great feeling to have instead of, oh, man, we got blown out by the Pacers today. What's going on with us? Oh, man, we barely beat this team. What's going on with us? Oh, we're two games uh, under 500. We got to figure out a way to get this going. We need, like, a five-game winning streak to get back in the swing of things. Like, no, that's a great feeling. And even in, even in Cleveland, because it was LeBron and because he was still a little bit older, they coasted through the, through the regular season. And so they never, you know, were, like, dominating like that. So they would have, like, these, you know, up-and-down spurs. But I would love to be the, the, the Bucks. And win sixty games and barely lose and like never have like a losing streak more than two, you know, all year long or whatever. That's a great, great, great feeling. Trust me, y'all, y'all like y'all like the hard scrappers now. But wait, wait till you get a taste of that bougie life. You gonna like that a whole <laughs> lot more. Yeah, I can't wait. Knock on wood. I can't wait. I can't wait to see KD in a Nets jersey. Draining threes. I can't wait to see Kyrie crossing up fools again. And I can't wait for all y'all motherfuckers to subscribe and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. See? Oh, you liked that, didn't you, Brett? I finally had a segue. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Tell them where they can find you, Brett. (laughs) You can find me at never for Brett me, N-E-V-A underscore the number four, B-R-E-T-T underscore M-E. I'm at not the Chuck D Instagram and Twitter. We're at the Dope Blog, the underscore Dope Blog on Instagram, at the Dope Blog, all one word on Twitter, and at the Dope Blog and Podcast on Facebook. And we're gonna keep coming at you with that's propaganda bullshit network, the Dope MMA pods, as long as the sports keep going on because you know prayers up, the the you know the virus ain't going away, but we're still here. So peace, love. Stay healthy, stay safe. I'm ill, I'm ill. 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 I'm ill, I'm ill.